in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Today, we're reviewing the new sci-fi epic, Dune, part one, directed by Denis Villeneuve. This was written by himself, along with John Spates and Eric Roth, the screenplay. Of course, this is an adaptation of the famous sci-fi book, Dune, by Frank Herbert. Uh, definitely interesting how it's it's titled as Dune, but once you even start the movie, it is literally Dune Part 1. Uh, and we, at first, for a while, were kind of concerned because we only were, there was no greenlit Part 2. But then a few days after Part 1, it was announced that Part 2 is definitely greenlit. I, I, I kind of figured that they actually already started part two well before they even had part one come out. And that was all just a big momentum tease to maybe build uh, people going to get butts and seats in the theater, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it was like, well, if, if not, that was a very ballsy move. I was like, oh, confident. <laughs> yeah, they, they did something there. But uh, this is uh, very exciting. This, of course, was originally due to come out in 2020. And then with everything happening with the pandemic, this all got pushed back. So we had this released in theaters and for one month on HBO max. And, you know, exciting thing to, to kind of pinpoint here is I, I have a, a huge fan of this uh, story. I read the book and you and I Taylor <laughs> just a little over a year ago. Now it's sort of been back in October, 2020, I came out to visit you for a little vacation. And we sat down and we watched the David Lynch version, the 1984 film, uh, which that's, that's such an interesting thing because it was all first off the time period, the eighties, a lot of sci-fi, you know, after star Wars, a lot of people making sci-fi stuff, but to, to, to combine the entire book into one movie, people, a lot of people pan that movie as being, you know, beautifully uh, terrible. Uh, you know, like it has a lot of good stuff to it, but it's kind of a, a hot mess. So to think here we are in the day and age where we have uh, amazing filmmakers, we have amazing uh special effects and the way they can do cameras and all that stuff. So we have finally Dune via Denis, who has really come out as really being a, a really great director the last several years. You know, he's had Arrival and Prisoners and, of course, Blade Runner 2049, which was gorgeous. So, Taylor, what is a brief synopsis of Dune part one? I guess we can we'll say from now on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is uh, set in the far future following Paul Atreides as his family, the noble house Atreides, is thrust into a war for the dangerous desert planet Arrakis. Um, and the uh, main character, played by Timothy Chalamet, is kind of like the thrust upon this destiny uh, where he's very gifted, very um, very powerful in, in many ways. And um, he is having to undertake this thing for not only himself, but his family house. So, you know, right away, it's it's got a, the makings of... Um, very medieval and you know um monarch kind of a monarchy kind of you know an old medieval time set in a future space kind of dystopian world yeah it's like game of thrones meets star wars kind of combining the story but it, it what's so interesting to think that this movie 
based on this book that is older than Star Wars, there's so many things that I was reminded of like, oh, that's definitely something that Lucas was probably inspired by when making Star Wars, uh, especially, yeah, this power of the voice, which um, Paul's mother, Lady Jessica, played by the beautifully talented Rebecca Ferguson, she's a member of this group called the Bene Gesserit, and they are somewhat like these, somewhat kind of like witches, I guess you could say, yeah. uh, to make the most, you know, layman terms about it. But they have this power that they, they, they use in which they can use their voice at a certain pitch and they can command people to do whatever they say. Somewhat like the force uh, that Jedi's would use later in the Star Wars franchise. So that was definitely something I was like, hmm, I think that was a big influence uh, Lucas had from uh, Herbert's work. But let's first talk off here of, yeah, this it's a grand scale epic. You know, it's a very basic plot if you think about just what what the makings of it. But there's so much deeper into this when they get into the voice. And Paul's definitely on a journey that he's not uh, ready for that's going to especially expand more in part two. And we're also hearing that rumors of part three, which might uh, take the second book of the Dune series uh, if Denis gets to do a full trilogy. But I just want to first talk off about the scale of this film. Something that Denis did very well with this is... He likes to have a lot of these shots down on the ground floor from the people's perspective. And there's just some huge, huge stuff in this film. I mean, from spaceships to buildings to, of course, the sandworms. Uh, there's just so much grand scale. And every shot in this film was just like a master class. It felt like he was like, all right, I'm going to really... I want to have every moment in this film just be engaging, whether it's a close up of someone's face or a far off shot where you're just seeing like legions of armies or spaceships in the background that combine them with Hans Zimmer's brilliant score. It just it really is like a sci fi epic. It really felt like I went and saw this on the biggest screen I could. And I just love the escape for two and a half hours, uh, especially a lot of practical stuff, you know. Yeah, you you do need to see this on the biggest screen possible. So, I mean, I mean, IMAX definitely was the way to go. Um, but, oh, you're absolutely right. And I think that was something really noticed that very, very minimal CGI, it felt like. And you could tell that a lot of it was very good practical effects. And um, I liked uh, just kind of the visual aspect and like the just the visceral nature of it. You know, though this is in a space time, not reading the books, but only watching the original uh, Dune, as we said, I really liked the the choreography of the fight scene, especially it's very it's very though this is set in the future, they're really about honor and fighting close combat quarters. And so I do like the sword fighting and a lot of the intensity of those moments. And yeah, some of these when these uh, these space kind of like uh, fights kind of coming in. Um, yeah, I was just really blown away by the, the visual and the, the choreography that they really played into this. Yeah, those those fight scenes are really awesome because they have just just out of the book these kind of shields that they can tap on and it'll protect them to a certain amount. But if they, you know, if they're in the danger zone, then it it shields red, and that's when you know that you could be killed. And especially seeing that scene of Paul Atreides and Gurney, played by Josh Brolin, kind of you know practice round, and he's really going at him. He's like, "You don't get it. These are the Harkonnens. They're brutal. They're not human." There, there's something else. And we definitely see that. And we'll see more of that as we get into part two. But let's go into the cast here. So obviously we mentioned Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, outstanding. You have Oscar Isaac as the Duke, Lido Trades, who's Paul's father. It's incredible. 
Josh Brolin. Uh, also on their side, you have Stephen McKinley Henderson, who plays Thufur Hawat, who is a mentat, which mentats are kind of like these people that have a sense of knowledge. They're almost, they're not quite robot, but they're, they're, they're somewhat of, uh, I guess you can say, they have this kind of power to them, which they can have a lot of um, information, if you will. And then you have also on their side, we have Jason Momoa, Duncan Idaho, who's the sword master for House of Trades, and a, a great role for him. You know, obviously he kind of has that vibe to him always in these films where he's that intense warrior, but um, you get a little more of the, the, the side of him, you know, he's a warrior and he stays true to his, you know, has a great honor, but you see that he's kind of taking a liking to the people that live on Arrakis, the, the natural people there who are known as the Fremen. And to go into the Fremen real quick, we'll talk about, we have uh, Zendaya, who, although yes, heavily advertised in this film, is only in the film really for about maybe five minutes total. Um, a lot of dream sequences. Uh, you don't really get to the Fremen that much till the end of the film. Uh, but we also have Javier Bardem as Stilgar, uh, the leader of the Fremen tribe. Uh, we have, I'm probably going to butcher this name terribly, but Babs Olusan Mokun as Jamis, uh, who's a Fremen warrior. And we have Golda Rushevel as shout out Mapes, who is a Fremen working as a maid for House of Trades. So there's a lot of great casts already, even just with the Fremen, uh, which are an interesting group because they live on the planet and they have survived kind of like these hidden in the, these hills of the planet where they can survive. And they have these things called still suits, which I thought were really well designed for the film right off the book. These suits that they can wear that cool down the body, but also recycle the water. So whenever they sweat, it takes that sweat and recycles it so that they could actually drink it or use it. Uh, something that Arrakis, you get the vibe that not even two hours in the desert, you would die from loss of water. So it's very hot there, especially in the middle of the day. But then we come to the bad guys. Uh, we have the Harkonnens, who are the very brutal force. And they're the ones that originally were working on Arrakis for, I think it says something like 80 years or something. And then the emperor decided to pull them back and have Atreides take over. And these are the very, the brutal, the very scary, the very, this is our, this is our emperor. Uh, well, there's an emperor character we have not actually seen yet, but in terms of like Star Wars feeling that kind of like who's running the show, you have the great Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen, who uh, is just creepy, very creepy. Uh, and they did some great work with the prosthetics. Yeah. Uh, he's purposely meant to be a very, very large man, uh, very creepy that way. And I think they did, they found a great, halfway point where it's not like goofy like you know it i like in the, in the lynch version that we watched he kind of has a lot of like stuff on his skin like he's kind of gross this guy's gross but he's he's very menacing and we have dave batista as his nephew uh known as beast beast robin who's a uh, he's just very big and menacing and then we got to bring up because i thought he was uh great in this uh david das malchian as peter devries who is the mentat for house harkonnen uh, just great images, great creepy, the way they kind of, you know, show this, this, the very dune, very, very bright, the very bright, you know, it's the sandy, you know, sand planet, obviously something that Lucas would then be inspired with tattooing, but, uh, the planet for Harkonnen is very dark, creepy, menacing. So I wonder if they're going to explore more of that in the second film, but this cast is out, out overall is outstanding. Everyone's doing a wonderful job. They're really bringing their a game and it just, it really, it, it 
pops on screen the combination of the the world building the costumes the plot the cast the special effects everything it just like it just it it takes you in you're so like intrigued and like and i'm already like the moment the movie ended i was like oh i'm just ready for part two already i'm ready to see the next chapter uh which we will get officially in october of 2023 but yeah taylor this movie it's just it's exciting exciting to see sci-fi again you know we don't get you know, we had Star Wars and Star Wars is kind of, you know, the last several Star Wars films were panned for what they were, uh, you know, whether whether you like them or, or hate them. But yeah. just to see kind of a more of a, a director that really works more with like characters and storytelling to take on this grand scale uh, epic, kind of like we did Blade Runner 2049. You know, you get all the visual aspect, but still more of a human story at its core. This is what I felt like he was doing with Dune. There is. And there's a lot of stories like this out there that. I think, you know, need a touch up, you know, I think that movies that maybe there's some movies that don't need to be remade. And then there's some that do. And I think Dune was due for a remake. Um, and I think done right. I think when you have um, an epic, whether it's a space epic like this or, you know, Lord of the Rings, you got to do it justice. You got to, you got to spread out the wealth. You can't do it all in one movie. Or as we've seen now with TV adaptations, you can do a little bit more with this. But I thought, yeah, very well done in the world building. I was intrigued. I was hooked. The music, amazing. And uh, just the, the intensity of the moments. It was very visceral. So I was really glad to see this. I, I definitely recommend this film. And it definitely got me excited for what's going to come for the next part. I'm super pumped. And speaking of TV, there will be a spinoff series, Dune, The Sisterhood, coming to HBO Max. Um, not sure when that's planning to debut, but that will be all about the Bene Gesserit, the, Bene Gesserit, uh, the, the group of how they kind of form. And, you know, a lot they talk about in the film is that they have plans that run over centuries. So that could be a whole show that will um, be in connection to the film. So I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if Rebecca Ferguson will be a part of that, but you know, we had that whole, the, the classic scene right out of the book where Paul has to do the test uh, where he puts his hand in the box and he experiences uh, massive, massive pain and he overcomes it, of course. So I wonder if they're going to kind of go into that, maybe talk about, you know, more world building. There's plenty of other planets I'm sure they could explore. So kind of interesting. We're going to get that. And, you know, the Dune books, Frank Herbert himself wrote six novels. And then his son, I believe, and a co-writer took over and wrote a bunch more. And has been also like, you know, explored other world uh, stories within the Dune universe. So if this, you know, the first film, I think for being uh, still in the pandemic and for a lot of people not really knowing the story very well, I think, you know, box office wise, it did about what I was expecting. And I think if maybe with this in the HBO Max being that the next time part two would not be in HBO Max, it would be completely theater only release i think we could see a huge draw for people who want to see part two which will definitely have a lot more overall big action sequences in it so i'm, I'm wondering if this is going to take off more and if we'll see more dune stories whether on the big screen or right on our streaming service but for now you can catch dune in theaters and again we recommend the biggest screen you can find if not it is available for the month on hbo max and that was this edition of potential picks thanks for listening to the potential podcast you can follow us on instagram and facebook at the potential podcast or on twitter at the potential pod or you can email us send us your positive feedback and thoughts suggestions and more 
through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.